Well, good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be here and to share God's Word with you. It's been really great, just the, the welcome. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so great to be in a community where we don't have to wear masks. And it kind of reminds me of this old story. A guy goes um, looking for work, and he's been looking for work for a while, and he sees this ad in the newspaper. It's from the zoo. And so he says, well, you know, Kind of strange, but I'll give it a try. Goes over there, and the zookeeper says, well, listen, um, our orangutan just died, and it's too expensive to replace it, so here's what we want you to do. We want you to dress up as this orangutan every day and just come to work and, and be the orangutan for all the visitors that come to the park. The guy goes, well, that's a weird job. But he's kind of desperate, so um, he gets into it, you know, packs his lunch every day, goes to the zoo, dresses up, and... Um, he starts to get a little bit bored in, his, in you know, the enclosure, so he starts swinging on vines, and, and people are like, yay, this is wonderful. And so he starts swinging higher and longer, and one day he swings so high and so hard, he goes right over the fence into the lion enclosure. And he's like, oh, no, 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 listen, help, 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 I'm not a real orangutan. And he hears a voice from under the lion mask, shut up, you idiot, or we'll both be fired. So maybe we can take off our masks this uh, morning before each other and um, also before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless us now. Help us to understand your word, this beautiful psalm that you've given us, the psalm of David. Um, speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, Psalm 57, and uh, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with this psalm, uh, a lot of us like Psalm 23 because it talks about quiet waters and full cups. Um, but that's not always the truth about our world today. I mean, we heard about that in the prayer this morning. Uh, by the way, wasn't the worship set beautiful this morning? They did such a beautiful job of kind of setting things up um, for this message. And um, just as you go through this uh, series of psalms in the summer, let me just encourage you um, to try to read a psalm a day. Um, 150 psalms seems like a lot, but if you were to start now and go right through all the psalms, by September you'd have read right through the Psalter. And it's a great way, sometimes I set these little goals for myself so I don't get lazy about reading Scripture. Just a psalm a day, and um, I know you'll be blessed. Now we're going to talk this morning about developing a gritty faith. A gritty faith. Because... Well, as we already heard, the darkness of this world can be overwhelming sometimes. It can seem just so persuasive or pervasive, rather. Uh, daily mass shootings, the war in Ukraine, how the Canucks are playing, uh, global warming, uh, murder, corruption, the list goes on. It's overwhelming. And then there's our own personal life. We heard this morning of all kinds of people in this community that are struggling in different ways. So things, life can get overwhelming. And so we need to develop a gritty faith, a faith that can take a licking and keep on ticking. Remember that old commercial? You know, a faith that, that, that even though the world seems very dark sometimes, declares the reality of the light and God's prevailing love for us. And so I want to read the psalm together. It'll appear um, on the overhead here. So um, let's just read, read this and, and let's read this together. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings 
until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell amongst ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Thank you. Now, um, this psalm starts out this way. It's got kind of an underscore to it. It says, um, to the director of music, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, of David, a miktam, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. Um, now, some of you might be wondering this morning, what is a miktam? Well, I wish I could tell you, but we don't really know. Some scholars speculate that it could be related to its value in the canon of the Psalms. Um, it also could be a particular musical style that we're not aware of. And then the second thing I want you to notice about this psalm is it gives you context. And you don't always get that in the psalms. We don't always know the context, but in this particular psalm, we, we know it quite well because, of course, we know the episode from David's life. All right, let, let's talk about this context. Um, David is in this cave. Um, it's a very, very challenging uh, part of uh, his life. And... Um, What's basically been going on, and you can read about this in 1 Samuel 16, he's been on the run from King David, right? Or sorry, King Saul. King Saul is the anointed king of Israel at this, at this moment, but we're fairly sure that he has suffered some kind of mental breakdown because David is anointed by Samuel to be the next king already before King Saul has even passed on. And so, of course, King Saul is furious about this, Right? And so he starts pursuing uh, David all over the place, right? And so David, is a, he's an outlaw. He has, to, he has to hang out in all kinds of different places. And this particular psalm is written at a time when David was fleeing from Saul into the cave of Adullam. Now, um, what does the cave... Ah, there it is, okay? Now, I had a chance to visit this cave... Uh, several years back when I had the privilege of being able to go to Israel, and um, we went with an organization called Under the Fig Tree, and it was an amazing experience to go into that cave and to feel, you know, again, this context of this psalm. And we had a chance to read Psalm 57 uh, right in the cave. So, um, David's in this cave. He's with um, a bunch of his mighty men, and then one day, as the story goes, as David is hiding in the cave, Saul comes by and he's to go into the cave and to put this delicately to relieve himself. So David and his men go to the back of the cave, right? And while Saul is 
Saul is busy, his men say to him, here's your chance, David. Here's your chance. The Lord has given him into your hands. I mean, just kill him. But David is, is horrified at this prospect of raising his hand against the Lord's anointed. So what he does, he stealthily comes up to Saul and he cuts a little piece off his robe and takes it to the back of the cave. And then after Saul is done and he goes out of the cave, David comes out and from a distance says, Hey, look, Saul, I could have killed you, but I didn't because you are the Lord's anointed king. And for a moment, Saul relents. But it isn't long before Saul kind of loses his mind again and starts pursuing David to kill him. And that's the context of this psalm. And you can tell as you read it that David is frustrated. I mean, he, he's, he's done everything right. He, he's tried to do the right thing, and Saul is still trying to kill him. And he's stuck in this deep, dark cave, and um, his whole idea that he's the anointed king of Israel, that he's going to become King David, just seems like a pipe dream. It seems like, despite his best efforts, Saul is winning and he is losing. Are you with me? Now, interestingly, the psalm doesn't start out the way that we might be tempted to write a psalm if we were going through something like this. It doesn't start out, Lord, I don't deserve this. Look at all the things that I've done for you in, in my life. Look at the ways in which I've sacrificed. Look at all the service that I've done. I've tried to follow you with, with all my heart as best I can, and I'm still in the frying pan. No, he starts out by saying this. Lord, I need you to be gracious to me. I need to hide in the shadow of your wing. And, and he even acknowledges in verse 3 that God has already saved him from a, from a few scrapes. He writes, He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and faithfulness. But then in the latter part of verse 3, David seems to be saying exactly the opposite. He says, I'm in the midst of lions. And then in verse 4, he goes back the other way and says, Be exalted, O God. And then in verse 5, he does another 180. And he says, My enemies spread a net before my feet. And so you're thinking, Okay, David, which is it? Are you, are you trusting in God? Or are you filled with fear and despair? Are you trusting or not trusting? But now here's the thing. This reminds me of someone else I know. Me. All right? And maybe as you read it, it reminds you of you as well. Because I don't know about you, but I can oscillate. Sometimes when I face difficulties in my life, I'm like, God, I got this. I'm good. I have faith. I'm going to put my trust in you. And then the next moment or the next day, I'm like, I am so hooped. What am I, what am I going to do? I mean, does God even exist? Right? Have you ever been there? Now, this is where the rubber hits the road. This morning, I want to give you three things, three things that emerge right out of this psalm that 
you can do that will build this kind of gritty faith that we're talking about this morning, that will build resilience into you. And, and the first one is this. Fixate on God. Fixate on God. Now, I thought a lot about this word this week, and usually it's, it's kind of a negative word, right? If, if one parent would say to another, you know, my kid is really fixated on, on, on computer games or TV, we think, no, that isn't a good thing, right? Being fixated um, on something is often a sign of an addiction or something like that. But David is fixated on God. He says boldly, my God will save me. He sends forth his love and faithfulness. Now recognize, this hasn't happened yet. David is still in the cave. Things are not going his way. Saul is still trying to kill him in this psalm. Saul is still out there. But he decides to place his trust, his confidence in God, his focus on God. You know, there's an interesting story in the Gospels. Jesus is is teaching thousands of people and there's not enough food. And and we find out later that he, he multiplies the bread and he feeds the whole crowd. You're probably familiar with the story. But before anything happens, he lifts up the bread and he gives thanks to his Father. It's like he's saying, in this overwhelming situation, by the way, the disciples are freaking out in this moment, right? He's saying, I'm fixating on my Father who can provide, who can assist in this situation. And then, and then the miracle happens. Now listen, I am, I'm not saying this morning that every time you feel overwhelmed, just pray a little prayer and, and poof, the miracle will come. I mean, that would be magic, not faith. David's cave prayer song is not immediately answered. Remember, God answers prayer in his own way and in his own time. And that's sometimes difficult for us to deal with, but it's the truth. Neither does this mean that, that you don't acknowledge the darkness, the tough thing that you're going through. You know, just grin and bear it. I mean, what we do do in a situation like this, if we're reading Psalm 57 properly, is that, is that we, we pull our, ourselves back from the edge of, of despair. Right? We, we, we decide in that moment to put our hope and trust in the Lord. You know, part of what really can help in this situation is remembering that life is not about us. It's not. Rick Warren wrote a book years past, The Purpose Driven Life, massive bestseller, right? Everyone from sports teams to celebrities were reading it. And if you've read it, then maybe you remember how it starts. He starts the book, It's Not About You. It's not about you. And then he goes on in his book to talk about how just to, that, you know, there are all these voices in the world that are screaming exactly the opposite. The key to a successful life is remembering that the gravitational center of the universe is not you. It's the God who made you. And Liz talked about that this morning, right? It's that story that we're all a part of, where God is the main character. And we are the ones that follow. That's why whenever we try to make the story about us, 
and center the world on us, we run into trouble. You see, David has learned this. He sees the lions. He sees the nets. He sees all the trouble that he's facing, but he continually tells himself to refocus his attention on God, on the mercy of God and the love of God and the faithfulness of God. Some of you are facing some very, very difficult things this morning. And instead of fixating on your life circumstances, how bad they are, how tough they are, how unfair you may feel they are, you need to raise your head and refocus your attention on God. All right, second thing. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Look at verse 7. It says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. In fact, four times in the last few verses, David says, I will do this thing, or I will do that thing. And it, it stems from, from this word in verse 4. It's difficult to translate in, in the original language. I mean, some words are difficult to translate. Basic words like rope or, or jug. Or, I mean, we, 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 would, we know those things fairly well. But this word, this word is a word like beauty or grace or some of these other things that have a depth of meaning to it that make it a little bit more challenging um, to understand. And so the best translation um, I could think of in this, with this word is determined. Determined. I, I, I love this word. Determined. David is saying, my heart is determined, O oh God. I've got a gritty faith. It's like he's talking to himself. Self, you will do this thing. You will focus on God in the midst of this. Self, don't give up. Put your hope in God. Self, in another psalm, he puts it like this. When I'm, I am afraid, I will trust in God. This is why I'm saying to you this morning, don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself, because if you listen to yourself in the midst of difficult situations, you're always going to freak out. Why? Because if you had the situation under control in the first place, you wouldn't be freaking out. It's precisely because you have no control in this situation that you feel overwhelmed. And often your self-talk is going to go like this, oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm pooped, I'm done like dinner, right? So instead of listening to yourself, talk to yourself. Come on, soul. Trust in God. Notice what David says in verse 8. He says, awake, my soul. Awake. Come on. And then these beautiful words. He writes this. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. Of course, the harp and the lyre are David's worship instruments. Um, in other words, he's saying, crank up the worship tunes. I know that helps me sometimes. When I'm going through difficult times, I'm like, ah, I gotta listen to, I gotta listen to some worship. Like we were listening to this morning. You know, shaking like a leaf. But I need you, Jesus. Right. Be my Prince of Peace. Crank that up. Remind yourself. Make the worship loud. That's why we need to. Sometimes when we come into this place, we want to worship with with some ferocity. I remember um, finding out about this kind of, of ferocity in worship when I was living in Grand Rapids, going to the seminary, and um, I went to a church there called Madison Square Church. 
And uh, I love that church. And um, I mean, some of the best worship music comes out of the African-American tradition. Um, and if you go to one of their churches, you know they get after it. Like, they get after it. They don't sing quietly, and they don't just sing a little. They sing because they need to awaken the dawn. You know, this church, inner city church, there was poverty and drugs and crime and all kinds of darkness. And, and the folks that went to that church lived in the middle of that every single day. But on Sunday mornings, they came to church, and it's like they were saying, Awake, my soul. Come on, let's worship the Lord with ferocity, with some grit. I remember listening to the choir, beautiful African-American choir singing, And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Never forget it. They weren't listening to themselves, because if they did, they would have despaired. They were talking to themselves in the midst of the darkness. And that's why reading a psalm, like Psalm 57, every once in a while, it reminds yourself, come on, hang on. Hang on. And you can do this in prayer, you can do this in all kinds of different ways, but talk to yourself with the words of Scripture. You know, I was a young pastor, uh, just starting out, and I had a challenging pastoral care situation, I was always worried about, about what I would say, right? Because I, I, I didn't want to say the wrong thing, and I would always try to imagine how I would feel in their situation. And of course, empathy is, is a wonderful thing. But finally I realized that my job was not to encourage whatever person that I was pastoring not to listen to their own fears, but rather put their trust in the Lord. They don't want me to feel sorry for them. They wanted me to give them hope. All right, final thing. In order to develop a gritty, determined faith, regularly remind yourself of God's love and faithfulness. Listen, friends, there's a lot of, a lot of bad things that go on every day. There's a lot of darkness. Um, and the truth is we tend to focus on the darkness, right? We open the newspaper, and that's what we see on every page, right? We turn on CNN, and, and it's all death and destruction. Right? But remember, the reality is that a lot of really good things happen every day. For every bad teacher that abuses their students, there are thousands of teachers that do wonderful things for their, their children and the youth every day. For every corrupt and deceitful politician out there, there are hundreds that genuinely want to do the right thing and, and the decent thing and the moral thing. For every greedy lawyer out there, Okay, maybe that's a bad example. Just kidding, I apologize if anybody will look. Um, I'm a kind of a news junkie, which can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, but one of the feeds that I pick up every once in a while is called Positive News, right? Maybe some of you get it as well. And here's some of the headlines um, in the week that, um, well, this was a couple weeks back. Um, first one, India's wild tigers are up by 30%. Now, that's probably good news for some and not so good news for others. But, I mean, it shows a resilience in nature. Ethiopia sent the, set the new world record for trees planted in a single day, right? Bee Savior sugar cards, cards give energy boost to, boost to weary pollinators. I'll say that ten times really fast. 
Costa Rica doubles its rainforest in 30 years. See, these, this, we don't hear about these things, right? And isn't that encouraging? You know, last year, or a couple years ago, actually, I had a chance to visit Zambia um, with a partnership there and to see firsthand how dollars that are, are donated by, by ordinary church folks like you are going to, to change lives, right? I mean, better nutrition, less poverty. They're, they're really changing Zambia's agribusiness, which is so, so important. I mean, there's lots of wonderful folks around here doing wonderful work. I just looked on the wall with all your elders and deacons and, and, and council, and, and, uh, and all those folks are serving. And that's a wonderful thing, that they're willing to do that. God is on the move in many places and spaces. His kingdom is expanding and growing and changing people's lives forever. And we have to stop every once in a while and just say, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. So count your blessings. That's why how I love how David ends his psalm. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you amongst the people. For great is your love. Reaches to the he- reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaching to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Do you get it? God is not just a little great in loving people. No, He has a great love. God isn't just a little faithful. No, His faithfulness reaches to the sky. Do you have a greedy faith? A determined faith? Psalm 57 is teaching you this morning. That's right. Father, uh, thank you for psalms like this. Um, that help us remember that uh, this world can be a very challenging place sometimes, but you are faithful. You are good. You are holy and righteous. And Lord, um, you bring so much love and so much blessing into our lives. So this morning, awaken our souls. Awaken our souls to the reality of who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.